Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Molecule to Market. I'm your host, Roman Segal, and in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Devendra Mishra, Executive Director and Founder at Bio Supply Management Alliance, otherwise known as the BSMA. Devendra is a fascinating, fascinating guest. He's a guy who I was introduced to at some point uh, at the end of last year and I've got to know him pretty well. And he is a genuinely really interesting guy that spent a lot of his career in Hollywood in the entertainment industry. And then he found his way into life sciences uh, at the uh, youthful age of 50. Um, Listen out for some really interesting things that Devendra talks about, uh, in particular how he uh, kind of got into the biotech supply chain and has built an incredible network of 10,000 plus professionals uh, in this space. Um, it was very interesting hearing talk about, uh, you know, that this being the most creative and productive period he's ever seen. And he believes in the last hundred years in terms of collaboration between government bodies, private companies, uh, you know, just breaking down barriers to accelerate growth in the need, uh, you know, in the needs of a pandemic and, you know, finding vaccines. And I was also really interested to hear him uh, kind of share the interesting parallels between developing a movie and developing a new drug product. Never something I'd ever <laughs> considered before. So I found that really, really interesting. Uh, you know, for background, Devendra is a you know internationally recognized authority on supply chain management. Uh, for two deco- decades, he's been committed to the adoption of disruptive technologies in media and entertainment, as well as life sciences. Uh, since 2004, the mission of BSMA has been to advance the supply chain of life science through collaboration and adoption of technology. Uh, positioned in the US, Europe, and India, its members are all the major biotech and pharma companies of the world and many in the supply chain as well. I hope you enjoy today's episode. The sound's a little bit choppy in places, so excuse uh, excuse that. But nevertheless, I hope you get some great value from today's interview. And if you get the chance, please go to your uh, app of choice for podcasts and give us a nice kind five-star rating always interested to hear your thoughts and how we can make the podcast better any interesting guests that you want us to cover as well so give me a shout if there's anyone you want us to speak to one final thing to mention in this interview today is uh davindra's sound quality wasn't as good as usual and we had a few issues with the audio Hopefully we've been able to correct this and give you the best possible audio experience, but apologies if it's a little jarring on the ears at certain points. Other than that, take care, stay safe and enjoy today's episode. We are supported by ZymeWire, which is the leader in actionable sales intelligence for life science business development professionals. In fact, thousands of life science BD professionals start their day with sales signals from ZymeWire. And our friends at ZymeWire are giving Molecule to Market listeners an exclusive deal. Just head to zymewire.com forward slash Molecule to Market to learn more. 
Hey, Devendra, welcome to the show. Thank you, Raman. It is a unique pleasure to be with you and have this conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Devendra, just to start off with, it would be great if you could give our listener a bit of an overview of your background and you've got a very kind of interesting eclectic background. So I'd love to hear you talk through that and then ultimately how you ended up in the, the life science sector. If I may be very brief, uh, it was uh, nearly 50 years ago that I graduated from Purdue University and had a long love affair with the music business at RC Records where I ended up running the worldwide manufacturing and distribution of music and moved on in my life to video and film and entertainment in general. And uh, in the journey somewhere, I was the president of Technicolor Worldwide, uh, president of Life Entertainment, uh, whose parent made movies like Terminator or Total Recall and Basic Instinct. And somewhere I lost my path and ended up as being a CEO of a food distribution company. And at the age of 50, I decided to retire and teach and uh, became an adjunct professor at Pepperdine University in Malibu, California, teaching supply chain management. And would you believe uh, I read a book uh, written by Dr. Gary Pisano at the Harvard University, and the book was called The Science Business. And he articulated the fact that biotech was a science that needed to become a business. And that's when BSMA was born. And I decided that I would create the Biosupply Management Alliance to focus on this industry and take baby steps to advance it and make it a business. So that is short, is the long journey I've had. <laughs> I love it, 50, 50 years in uh, in just a couple of minutes. So well done for, for, for briefly capturing so much. And so if, if, if any of our listeners have not heard of the BSMA and the work that you guys do in, in your alliance, do you mind just explaining a little bit about what the association does, but also, I think it'd be really interesting to understand where where it came from and, and actually how it's evolved over the last kind of few years as well. You know, the three questions that came to mind while you were asking me the question were why and how and what? And the why was very simple. Biotech needed to become a business. And how is what I try to do. And when I reflect on the last 15 years that BSMA has been in existence, we are more than an association. We are a world community of supply chain professionals in life sciences in India, in Europe, and most prominently in the United States. So think of over 10,000 professionals taking their imaginative intellectual steps to link 
the different entities of this industry that we call supply chain of life sciences. And you can very well appreciate all the way from drug development, clinical trials, commercialization, manufacturing, distribution, transportation, ultimately patient care, there is a grand landscape that can be repainted over time with the idea of maximizing healthcare, maximizing patient care. So with that in mind, uh, what the community does, it focuses on some major areas where it can make a difference and has been working very diligently to make that difference. Example, number one would be strategic sourcing. Number two, sales and operations planning. Number three, clinical trials optimization. Four, transportation logistics. Five, digital transformation of life sciences. Six, cell and gene therapy, in other words, personalized medicine. Six, risk mitigation. Seven, talent development. And finally, and most importantly, ensuring the sustainability of the environment through our initiatives in life sciences. So we have steering committees in all these areas that I enumerated. And a steering committee would normally consist of anything from, I'm going to guess, 15 to 40 executives of life sciences who are continually engaged in addressing one topic after another, organizing webinars, publishing papers, and most importantly for us, being a part of the annual conference, both in the United States, out of Foster City, Northern California, Brussels in Belgium, and Hyderabad in India. Hope that gives you some superficial idea of what this global community is yeah, committed no, that, to. That's great, and thank you for, for summarizing the some of the key pillars of the association and, and who you stand for and i think it's uh certainly during these times uh you know in terms of the pandemic and having better collaboration between uh different parts of the supply chain has been an essential part of actually some of the success that we've seen in in the vaccine rollout so I, i'm certainly interested to hear how the last 18 months has been for you and the community, because I'm guessing it's been a very busy time. And I imagine you've had to connect lots of people together, but it would be great if you can, uh, you know, paint a picture of how COVID has impacted, uh, you know, your, your community and, and how they've managed to work together and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, join forces to, to ultimately help patient care. So thank you for getting me down to earth. <laughs> And uh, confronting the 18 months that we have just uh, encountered. And my first reaction is, it may have been the most productive, most creative period 
in the last hundred years of healthcare on one hand, while we also suffered from the worst, the terriblest crisis one could imagine in the century. And why do I say what I just did? The, the UPS truck driver in this brown suit or brown pants is no longer delivering a ventilator or a PPE or a pallet of masks to a hospital or to an enterprise. He or she is delivering it with one thing in mind. That shipment is going to save human lives and is concerned about everything that leads up to him and everything that follows after he does what he does. This awakening in the country and probably the world that the supply chain perspective has to be the way we think and operate because we can build, develop some of the best drugs in the world, but we also have to deliver it under very, very difficult circumstances. And what has appeared to all of us is with all the advancement we have made, how vulnerable we are. Example, because people are not flying in planes, because people are not going to retail stores in the early stages of the COVID-19, the airlines, the cargo capacity dwindled 80-90%. Trucking capacity plummeted. Result, the things you needed the most, the pharmaceuticals, the drugs, the APIs, etc., etc., obviously their delivery got devastated. We realized how interconnected we are, not only as people, but as countries, as regions. And suddenly, and I got to share this with you, 15 years ago, when I created BSMA, I trademarked a tagline that said, because life depends on us. And, I want, and what I meant then, which has really come to be true for every man in the street, Main Street and Wall Street, is that, that, that realization that a flawless execution is required in the supply chain in order to save lives. So what I'm beginning to see, Operation War Speed was a perfect example where years and years of traditional approval of drugs took less than a year. To me, that was like the moonshot, the Apollo moonshot, which brought about an unprecedented collaboration between the government, private enterprise, academia, research institutions. And, un, and kind of unleashing that kind of power it only happened in the last 18 months. As a result, the industry is beginning to realize 
you know what? We got to collaborate. We got to digitalize. We got to break barriers. And the outcome, Raman, is so exhilarating that we are no longer on, an, on a linear path of progress. We are on an exponential path of progress. So bottom line, we have to maintain this momentum of exponential growth, exponential advancement. And if you ask me what is the mantra of BSMA, it is That's just that. great. And I think you've uh, painted a very vivid picture of um, just how how effective collaboration can be in actually breaking down barriers and, and you know, and moving things forward, like, you know, just exactly like you said, which I think is wonderful. And one thing I wanted to ask you about, you, you went over it quite quickly. And uh, obviously when we met Devendra, I was intrigued by your Hollywood and entertainment background. Um, and, you know, many of the, <laughs> the movies that you mentioned, you know, Terminator, Total Recall, et cetera, you know, really successful movies that you were involved with in your kind of former life, pre-life sciences. I'm interested to know, was there aspects that you learned from that time in media and entertainment and film that's, uh, that served you well in your almost rebirth <laughs> in life sciences? So just deliberate with me for a moment. A movie takes millions and millions of dollars to produce. A drug takes billions and billions of dollars to develop. A movie may have a probability of success in the marketplace of less than 10%. A drug in life sciences is no different. The time taken to make a movie could be endless. The time taken to develop a drug could be anywhere from three to 10 years. So you see, and then the, the entertainment industry would have a product like the DVD, which is packaged not very differently from the drugs on the <laughs> pharmaceutical store shelf. So you can see right off the bat, the fundamental granular similarities and you cannot argue that both are consumer-centric like in no other business. One case patient-centric, one case consumer-centric. So with that said, Hollywood was decimated, decimated by the digital technology. When Napster and others came along and the copying and illegal distribution was a norm. Lo and behold, 10 years after that, it reinvented itself and digital has become its greatest asset. Example of things that I am trying to bring to BSMA. Number one, digital collaboration. This is a normal thing for executives in Hollywood, directors, cinematographers, producers, editors, to be online editing the program that they recorded that day and creating that creative output, which is going to be called a movie. Number two, they made the greatest transition from having too many intermediaries. They would have theaters that would show the films. 
they would have digital platforms like Amazon and others that would deliver the product to consumers. Or they would have Netflix take their product or produce with them and deliver to the consumer. Up till a few years ago, Hollywood had no direct relationship with the consumer. There were others in between who owned the consumer. AT&T owned the consumer, Warner Brothers did not. So when Hollywood went to direct to consumer with Disney Plus, HBO Max, Universal Peacock, that is a source of learning for us because we in life sciences have to be direct to patient. Recognizing there'll be pharmacies, there'll be hospitals, there'll be doctors in between, all having roles to play. But I just give you a second one. And the third one, which is the dearest to my heart, is data analytics. Hollywood is creating content. Netflix creates content based on data gathered about consumer behavior. We in life sciences are the richest when it comes to data. There is no other industry other than maybe finance that may have more data. How well are we deploying the data, making smart, timely, real-time decisions, and developing product a challenge that we all face? You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. You mentioned kind of, you know, Netflix and, uh, you know, almost Disney Plus and these types of direct-to-consumer disruptive ways in which the entertainment industry has developed over the last few years. Do you do you envisage COVID and the you know, some of what you described before around advancement, uh, you know, and collaboration, do you think this is a a moment in time for the life science supply chain that, you know, in, in a decade or two to come, we will look back and say that was the moment in which this industry recognized it had to change? Do you do you see that being the case? I totally see that to be the case. For reasons that have been obvious to so many of us. Think of the fact that a drug manufacturer probably has hundreds and thousands of suppliers across the world. That's the beauty of the industry. That's the beauty of high tech. Now, in that situation, how do you ensure security, cybersecurity? How do you ensure quality of product? How do you ensure a strategic partnership? What a unique opportunity for us, driven by the COVID. It is not for us to shrink and get back within our shells of an oyster, but to connect in a responsible manner where resilience of the supply chain, more than just being cost-effective and something else, and having the asset utilization to be ultimate, I think the issue has become for everybody, and I don't think there's a debate on this, 
that resilience is what we need, we, we seek. And that requires collaboration. And I really believe it's getting accelerated. And when you look at new, right, look at new therapies like cell and gene therapy, it's personalized medicine. So it's not about putting a drug on a shelf that cures hundreds of millions of people. No, sir. Cell and gene therapy cures me, Devendra Mishra. So I, I think uh, 10 years from now, we will look back that this was the turning point. Uh, uh, what a glorious moment no, that that's, will be. Uh, that's very encouraging for the future and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, a, a kind of silver lining from an otherwise difficult 18 months for everyone uh, during the pandemic. If if the outcome is what you've just described and, uh, you know, a, a, an acceleration of trends and ultimately that will impact the patients, I think that's a, that's a very positive thing. And, and I've got to ask you about, you know, Devendra, you know, you've been working for five decades in, in different incarnations and you have led businesses, you have led industry bodies, you know, you have played a role in academia, uh, you know, it's an incredible uh, list of accomplishments that, that you've achieved. Uh, one thing I particularly like about you is you're actually a very humble and uh, kind of giving guy in, in the kind of short time that we've got to know each other as well. I'm interested in leadership lessons and you know we have a lot of people that listen the podcast that are leaders or aspiring leaders making their way in the life science industry what pieces of advice would you have for for those individuals that are you know now being given the responsibility to lead uh, you know teams or departments or actually whole companies uh, any any pills of wisdom would be would be greatly appreciated so number one, I have a lot to be humble about. Let that be very clear. Uh, I have not led anything. I've been a student. I've been a learner. I've been one who's curious to try to make a difference by, by connecting with the experts. So let, I want the record to be straight <laughs> on that issue. No problem. Uh, uh, and, and, uh, and back to, and, and certain things happened uh, they happened because of uh, the situation and others and whatever, and I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. So back to your real question on leadership. That is probably the toughest issue that's been talked about for ages that I know. And I don't have any advice to give anyone. I'm not qualified. But I can share what it means to me. That's all I can do. So leadership to me means simply a commitment to making the world a better place through your efforts in whatever arena that may be. You decide what that, that's, that subject area is where you have the competency, you have the empathy, you have the understanding, and you have the passion. 
once you do that, and once you show results, baby steps that you take, and then others join you, and mark, mark my words, I really believed in that statement that said, you lead by following. So if you listen to those people around you and begin to make a difference, to me, that is what leadership means to me. Beyond that, there have been hundreds of thousands of books written on leadership. <laughs> A lot of research has been done, right? And I hate to say that we need to look within ourselves, not outside at a shining object, and then listen to the heart which has connected with a person, with a situation, with an environment, and you say, that's what I'm going to do. So I hope in a roundabout, long-winded way, I've shared with you so what I think. It certainly does. And I think that's a very uh, thought-provoking response for myself and, and obviously our listeners. And Devendra, if you could go back and give the 25-year-old Devendra some advice, what, what would you say to him? First of all, Again, I would not advise him or her. <laughs> my, 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 my statement to them, I hope, I hope I'm speaking to them, is simply this. Be yourself, true to yourself, and commit with all your God-given resources and your family, and your network, and pursue your bliss in life. And it's not going to be easy to get to where you really want to get to, but trust me, as you get there, the journey is going to be so exhilarating. Mm -hmm that you will never That's stop. great. And it leads me nicely on to a, a curiosity that I have about you, Devinder, is, you know, given your experience and the, you know, all the things you've done, I'm curious to know where your motivation comes from and what keeps you going and what drives you today. And, you know, obviously live in California. Why, why are you not, you know, lying on the beach every day with a, <laughs> a cold drink in your hand, uh, having, you know, uh, you know, impacted the world very positively in your time. What What is it that motivates you today and keeps you going and keeps you so energ energetic? I'm, I'm very, uh, very interested to know. A really a great question, Raman. And the answer would be very disarming if I said to you, it's my father that has kept me going all my life a young man who grew up in a village of India, didn't have a pair of shoes until he was 14, 
ended up going to England for his master's in production engineering, became one of the founding professors of the number one institute of India called the Indian Institute of Technology, started the study of management science in the 1950s, 52 to be exact, in India for the first time, established disciplines of industrial engineering, mechanical engineering, production engineering for the first time in India, living up to his vision has been a daily daily source of motivation for me for the last 50, 55 years. And he just was a kind man who believed in being engaged to make something better. I just want to live up to his That's standards. A, it's a very beautiful and articulate response and a don't think any of our listeners would uh, begrudge that type of motivation from uh, obviously the childhood that your father had and and obviously the vision that he was able to give you and uh, I'm sure you'll be very proud of what you've uh, what you've gone on to achieve and what you continue uh, to achieve and Devendra I want to ask obviously one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast was your association I think is is relatively under the radar in some respects. Uh, obviously, you've created an inc- incredible network, but uh, there are there are not enough people that know about it. In in my opinion, because I think you're doing some terrific terrific work. Um, so, if you know any of our listener or you know are listening to this podcast and hearing the words and advice that you you're sharing and also just, you know, might be interested in getting in touch with you. How, how, well, two questions. One, what's the best way for them to get in touch with the association and, and how, how do individuals and companies get the most out of the association? And uh, cause you know, I think in this sector, there are so many different associations that you can join and, and I've seen many companies join, you know, this association that then that industry body and then actually you know a year later complain that they're not getting anything out of it but i suspect a lot of that is down to the time (laughs) they're putting into it themselves so any advice on uh, or any kind of success stories of companies that have really value sorry really got the value out of what the association uh, is doing so first of all as i said the global community of supply chain professionals speaks for itself. The fact that we have so many people connected across the continents, advancing every day something that will improve healthcare and patient care is its own testimony. To be more specific, the global community of the Biosupply Management Alliance which continuously endeavors to make a difference with a supply chain perspective from everything from drug delivery to patient care speaks for itself, is a testimony of what we are attempting to do. So for those that may be specifically, seriously wanting to check it out, check BSMA out, I would recommend you go to our website, which is www.biosupplyalliance.com and experience for yourself what 
we have been doing and what we are currently doing and what our plans are for the future. It all presents that information pretty, pretty well. And it also includes a BioIntel newsletter that goes out every week, which I launched in March of last year in response to the COVID-19 crisis. So finally, I believe my email address is on the website. For those that are really wanting to have a dialogue with me or someone on my team, I welcome you. I'm here. That's great. Thank you. you so much, Devinder. And uh, yeah, and we're, we're almost at time as well. So I just wanted to uh, say thank you very much for being a guest on Molecule to Market. Um, I'm so pleased we've managed to get you on the show. You've had incredible insight into uh, the biotech community and into the biopharma community in terms of helping them with the supply. And I'm sure there are lot, lots of our listeners will be listening and keen to connect. And I hope they, and I certainly encourage them all to look at the network and actually contact you and, and start that dialogue. Um, any, any closing thoughts or comments from you, Devendra? Otherwise, I, you know, obviously I wanted to just uh, say thank you so much for, for being a guest. Well, thank you and thanks to all the listeners for making me think and making me share my thoughts. I look forward to hopefully being of some value to the community that you reach out to, Raman. Thank you for the great job. Thank you, Hi again. Thanks so much for tuning in to Molecule to Market. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find more shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Get in touch with us on our website, moleculetomarketpod.com, and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter, and we will see you again next week. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile and generate leads in life sciences.